Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the bullwhip crack like this. Let's begin now. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of the Projection Booth. This is our final chapter in the reading of The Lost Ark, though there are more bits here around Raiders that we will be hosting over the next few days. Be sure to check that out. This is the final bit of discussion that we had after we were done going through all of the story transcripts from that fateful day, days. I don't know how long it took for them to do this. It took us probably about six hours, maybe more, plus a couple of weeks for us to set up schedules and just do that. But then again, we had other things going on in our lives. I think that Stephen Lawrence and George were just dedicated to this at the moment. As with the other bits of discussion of these, I'm just going to drop you right into the middle of what we had to say after we were done reading from the transcripts of the story sessions for Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'll tell you what, I am shocked at how muddy and muddle-headed the ending is, even at this point. It doesn't even bear resemblance to Temple of Doom. It's like they were like, we have this idea for a mine cart, but then let's just make it the worst idea possible. <laughs> there's no, no logic with what they're doing in this scene at all. It's like they still aren't explaining how they get from the island to Washington. And by putting in the, all this minecart stuff, it's just muddying it up even more. And the way that it cuts with, and I'm trying to even remember, because they're still stuck tied to that pole. Maybe the power of God has burned their ropes or whatever. I think, but it, I think it does. Isn't that what happens? I think so. But then it's just basically cut to Washington, right? Yeah, it just cuts to Washington. That's Ultimately, that's what cracks me up is they end up just cutting to Washington. And then they had forgotten to have Marion, so they had to add her on the steps. Didn't they have to reshoot the final bit to add her? Did they? I think so. I think the thing was, I want to say it was Marsha Lucas is like, hey, what happened to the girl? And they're like, oh, shit. Even though the warehouse scene is iconic, I think it would have been, I would have liked better if they had just done the thing where he has to decide between her and the Ark, and he picks her, and it blows up, and they live, and he doesn't get the Ark. 
it doesn't change the story dramatically other than we get the thing that this is all futile. I like that, but I don't know. It's just a thought. What I do think is cool is I have to reassess George Lucas's creativity because even the things in Star Wars are so wooden and weird and, but it's, it's obvious he came up with 99% of this movie. Uh, Chris, the other guys are just sitting there with their thumbs up their ass. As the person reading George Lucas, I feel like I read 75% of that. Because he just, he wouldn't shut up. That's the thing, though, is because he wouldn't shut up, it's okay if this idea doesn't work because we have something else. Like, we can figure it out. That's what it feels like, at least. And, you know, what's funny is they have this whole thing in this script of, oh, he chooses her or the art. You get the inverse of that in Last Crusade where he's trying to save her and Allison Duty's character. She's, I want the grail. And he's trying to convince her to go with him. They finally do get that a little bit in Last Crusade. But man, yeah, they're not even close. I don't know what the hell, silk cubicles. I don't know what the fuck's going on. That whole thing of Indy with the bazooka, that's completely not here. They never even mention it. And the whole thing with him and the uniform and that he's obviously wet from traveling on a submarine. I still never get that. How he just travels on top of the submarine. They just never go underwater. Right. That's the assumption. That's not what submarines do. But when I was 12, I bought it. (laughs) It's a great shot. That's what it's there for. Oh, yeah. And all the pirates on the boat pointing at him. I like the idea that like they were like, oh, maybe the pirates turn on them. The pirates are the good guys. Yeah, get Lou Gossett Jr. on the phone. Gossett. Hey, yeah. you just go right to Gossett. That was weird. <laughs> that must be who they were thinking of. And he's like, you know, the thing. He's still got yeah, some, the, Gossett, thing. the thing. Because everything thing. is the thing with George. God, I love that he geez. has that like infant terrible thing of his arrogance. Because he's at the peak of his creativity. It comes through that he's so fucking arrogant. And it's okay because he's, he's so creative at this point. He made Star Wars, man. You don't say no to the guy who made Star Wars. He's just popping Although off those Spielberg ideas. Spielberg made Jaws and he's and, and Close Encounters. And at this point, he's just chilling back for the ride. This room that these three folks are in is, is like the center of that, like a big Hollywood right then and there. Like at least for a big commercial Hollywood, these three people in this room are deciding like what is going to be commercially viable for the next decade in Hollywood. Essentially. Because Indiana Jones and Star Wars end up being like two of the biggest like projects of the next decade. I'm shocked at how little they really got done in this last little tranche of, of this recording. Because what did they really decide on? Now it's up to Kasdan to go out and write that first draft. And I haven't read his first draft of this. Now I need to follow this through all of his drafts. I wish there were story notes included on that stuff where it's just like, nope killed this they're so close with so many things even having some of the lines there but then so far away with other things where it's oh yeah the mind card and this and but they know they want to Sabu. end in washington no matter what all these ideas that end up being in the movies end up being like the big set pieces of the second and third movies are just like casually thrown out in this movie what if we did a mind card chase okay but it makes me wonder if they didn't put as much work into the later ones they're like we've got these ideas later Let's just recycle them, you know? They're throwaway ideas. And they still work, but it's just the sequels aren't good. Come on. The second one was written by Willard Hyuk and somebody else. Yeah, who wrote Howard the Duck. Um, 
But I wonder if Didn't they, they write gave American them, like, Graffiti too. Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, they were. But I wonder if they gave them like the script, like the notes from the room, and they were like, "Here are some things like we'd like to see." Because it's not a coincidence. There's a mind card in the second movie when they're talking about it here. That always feels like how Lucas works, and I'm blaming Lucas just because of the last Indiana Jones film, the Crystal Skull. Because when you read all of those different drafts, they all have certain beats that are in those drafts. So going through the jungle, swinging on vines, a couple of them had giant ants in them. And just this whole thing of there is this very clear progression. So I think it's very much he will come to them and be like, okay, I want this. So when he came to Hiking Cats, he probably said, okay, I want the it to start in shanghai and there's this club and there's this plane and there's a crime boss and there's subterfuge a little foreign and, kid that's like a sidekick because they mentioned that at one point and just has all of these things laid out and just says okay now here's the pieces you go off and try to create this and the other thing that you mentioned mike is you know it's weird because similar we always joke about john peters and the giant mechanical spider from wild wild west Lucas is the same. It's like you said, he's not letting these things go. No, he came up with the lava planet like back in 78, I think it was. And that was like one of the things he threw out there. And then he tried to get it into Empire. He tried to get into Return of the Jedi. He finally gets it with Venge of the Sith, the third. Mustafar, yeah. Mustafar. And then eventually has like Vader's temple and all that stuff. That doesn't even show up until eighth or ninth i don't even remember or it might have just been rogue one it might have been book of boba fett or whatever but yeah it's like these ideas will not die he will not let any good idea die or any idea yeah like people always talk about the damn mechanical spider wild wild west if you're if you are a creative person there are just going to be some ideas in your mind that stick that you never let go like for whatever reason giant mechanical spider lava planet Fucking minecart chase, opening your movie in a club with the club scene. These are all things that Lucas just wouldn't let go. But they don't get, you know what I was most surprised by? Nobody goes, when the arc opens, it kills everybody. I was shocked. They were like, they, it seems like they were walking around this idea of what happens if the arc actually opens. That never crossed their mind as maybe that's just the final bit of this movie as the arc opens and kills everybody. In that he says, keep your eyes shut. Don't look upon the glory of God because then that will kill you. And that's not, I don't know. I was surprised that, I was surprised that for as smart as these three dudes are, they were batting around that idea the entire time. I wouldn't be surprised if there was another tape where they actually come up with more of the final ending of this. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Like where is them going? Oh yeah. The Nazis are going to melt. I, I guess. Maybe that's Kasdan just going, they had some good ideas in that room, but maybe I can refine it a little bit. Because that's the thing. Kasdan keeps them on the straight and narrow. Yeah, it feels like he's probably taking a lot of notes because the way that he's, okay, there's a car in front and in back, just that he keeps clarifying things. Wouldn't it be great if Kasdan's actually the one that comes up with the end part? Like, we don't know. We don't know. We're- Best I can tell right now, it wasn't Lucas and Spielberg I feel coming like up with the it the way it is hero now. Then. Yeah, he's really the one taking these raw ideas and refining them. That's the thing. I mean, with people like Lucas and Spielberg, who are these kind of massively creative people, like with Tarantino, and I don't want to put him in that group, but I'll put him there. They need someone to really 
helped them refine their ideas. Tarantino's best work was done when his when he was working with the editor that he had who ended up oh, passing Sally away. Winky. Right. And it's like someone who can take their ideas and really distill them. And it seems like Kazden is the one of this group who's keeping everything collected and together. As opposed to George, who's just like, the thing and the thing, and then that thing. What the f- thing? It's like, George, which of the four things are you talking about? Len Spielberg feels like with the underage thing, he steered George in the right direction. <laughs> but otherwise, there's a lot of times where he'll just throw things out. I want to see this. And then they'll just start riffing on it. I want to see a mine car. Oh, okay. Here, we'll do this. I was really surprised how little Spielberg inputs in the whole thing that's worth the shit that ends up. I'm serious. It's because very little. everybody I've ever interviewed that worked with Spielberg, they just talk about how creative a man he was. And so I really always would have figured that he would have played a bigger role in this. But by what we're seeing here, that's not the case. What's weird is now looking at this kind of the the dynamic between the three and almost I understand now where it's yeah this was George's idea pretty much from and like Spielberg is just oh I'm going to direct my buddy's movie that I helped him with the idea which but it's wild that it's just oh I just happened to be directing Raiders of the Lost (laughs) like again we all know as three creative people how this happens with every movie or anything that happens is you have these writers room full of people This just happens to be the writer's room for Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of the most iconic films of all time. But this is happening everywhere, all the time. 99% of the time, the people aren't nearly as talented. But it looks like less studio interference on this. That's the thing that I think fucks everything up now, is you get all these, it's not just writers, it's studio people that don't know shit about... Shit about shit? Shit about shit. They're looking at something that made money one time. They think we're going to rip off elements of it 14 times, because it's surefire way to make a hit, and then those things bomb over and over. But they're ripping off elements of things now. And that's the thing. They can go to the studio and say, oh, we're going off of these old serials. Those things. Because you're in your 40s and 50s and 60s as an executive in Hollywood right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really surprising in all of this is, like you've mentioned, like I just didn't perceive this as a George Lucas thing. And now I I almost want to rewatch the first movie and be like, I need to focus more on what makes this George Lucas-y. Because, like, it's not the dialogue, that's for sure. That's clearly not George Lucas. But, like, the big ideas are. I'm curious because what they would do after each time they would have a movie come out, Spielberg and Lucas would go to Hawaii with their wives and just hang out. And I know that's where a lot of these story ideas came from, was just them sitting on the beach and probably going, you know what we should do? You know, I love the old Republic serials. We need to do something like that. And it's going to have these cliffhanger moments throughout the entire thing, just probably throwing that out. And I don't know how far they took that before they got into this room and started doing this. Obviously they had talked with Philip Kaufman. They had talked a little bit about the Ark and the spear of God and all that kind of stuff, but how far had they gotten before they got into this room? But they're also just coming up with stuff on the fly. It's just Cause amazing. they keep referring to things that they'd already established at some point that we don't see in this. This is like step B and a step A, B, and C. And when I assume that there's more, like we talked about, what is interesting is you said that about them being on the beach and coming up with it. And it made me think of like Scorsese and De Niro were supposedly sitting on a beach with their families, rewriting Schrader's script for Raging Bull. And I'm just thinking how much of this shit ends up just being made up on a beach in the 1970s. Was that the fucking go-to 
And it's hard to picture like Schrader's not on a beach. He's in some room, dark room, angry, smoking, porn piled up around him. And them on a sunny beach, like writing Raging Fucking Bull, which is the darkest fucking movie. They're like, should he jack off here or should he not? I can't see Scorsese wearing shorts. Oh, <laughs> but I could. De Niro's got like the Hawaiian shirt on. Oh, you know, he looks the, just like his character from Cape Fear. Exactly. Oh, he's got a big cigar in his mouth. That's what I assume. I do. I, I just love this idea that there was a time, and I'm sure it still happens now, but it's like, yeah, just go on. When you're done with the big project, you go to the beach with your friend that you work on movies with, and you just happen to create one of the most well-known IPs of the last uh, 50, 60 years. So fuck, fuck me, okay? Hey, what am I doing with my life? Reading somebody else's words of the shit they came up with. Does this character have a name? Yeah, you're going to hate it. Yeah, <laughs> Indiana Jones. Indiana Smith at first. Oh, so yeah, Indiana. You know what's crazy, though? They mentioned fucking Harrison Ford. They mention him. They're like a Harrison Ford type. But, it's but they also mentioned Burt Reynolds, which is a crazy take in a way. Well, wasn't Tom Selleck originally cast as Indiana Jones? I was just thinking Burt Reynolds. How would that have changed the trajectory of his career? I wonder, you know, because he ended up making these really cannonball runny, watered down things. More and more as he went, because he had all these badass movies in the early seventies, you know, a gator and other one, all of that. Yeah. And longest yard. And I would like to have seen the blooper of Burt Reynolds in another universe, smacking John Reese Davies as he's laughing. <laughs> Fucking Dom DeLuise. And you know what? By the end of this, they still hadn't established that Sabu is one character or Sala. Thank God they changed the name. Whew. Sabu. Yikes. Man, you know what, though? Like, it really is just a testament to the creative spirit that this is Indiana Jones, as we know it, just comes from it three It inspires dudes. me, though, to hear these guys, like, doing this creative evolution together. It makes me wonder if I had two or three creative people that I could sit down in a room with and just start bouncing ideas off of each other, could a normal person come up with something anywhere close to that? I feel like I'm creative, but I just... I've never actually said you get a three or four of the perfect, the right people together. Is it Lucas and Spielberg? What is it about them? Because they're complementary, right? What is it that what is it that Lucas brings to the table that Spielberg doesn't? Like, I'm just curious because my perception may be, I don't know if has y'all's changed since we've read this, because this is a little bit more of an intimate thing, more so than I was expecting with Lucas and Spielberg, especially with Lucas. I wish we could see visualization of them talking. That would make it even more. Like the way that they look at each other, the way they respond, the hand movements, how excited they are about these things. Yeah. Especially since we can't hear it anyway, because some of them, they're like, like, yeah, their delivery is very Tarantino Scorsese thing. Like, that's what I was expecting with Lucas. It's like, he just, I bet he did it. I think he did. Yeah. Had read this years ago. And that's what I was blown away by was just how on top of his game, George Lucas is that he is just one idea after another. I'm like, holy cow, this guy really was a very creative person. Cause you look at him now and you're just like, what have you done? Yeah. You did the prequels and those were hot garbage. Yeah. They were bad comparatively. Well, I feel like Star Wars weighted him down because he could have gone on and done all these different things. Who knows? He just became mired in just that over and over. Oh, yeah. THX 1138, American The undeniable weight of massive talent, right? Isn't that the thing with George Lucas? It's like he's just so talented. Like you said, Andy, he made Star Wars. Like 
the fact that he made Indiana Jones is like. But then I think if somebody like Spielberg was helping it with Star Wars, somebody that had done the dialogue, so much better. I hate to say that, but Star Wars, as much as I love it, could it have been even better with the dialogue? He did have some help, I know, but that was mostly the rewriting of the opening crawl. And then I want to say that there might have been in the editing, there were some judicious edits by Marsha. I know that what's his name? Richard Chu gets a lot of credit for the editing of that, but I think that Marsha really is the one that helps shape that whole picture. The original Star Wars A New Hope. And then what's Kasdan? It's Lee Brackett. It's Lucas to Lee Brackett to Kasdan when it comes to Empire, and then all filtered through Irvin Kirshner. You are four degrees away from Lucas, which is why I think that Empire is a stronger picture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's really a matter of, I think that there were people in this world, like, like we've said, Tarantino, Lucas, Spielberg, Scorsese, maybe not Scorsese is a little different and maybe Tarantino is a little different, but for Spielberg and Lucas specifically, it's like big idea people. And then you throw that big idea to somebody else and that person helps refine it and kind of whittle it down. But somebody does have to come up with that initial block of marble with the outline on it for everybody else to chisel away on. And I think that's who George Lucas is. And if you watch something like Star Wars, those are like Joseph Campbell-inspired archetypes. Those characters are the broadest of broad character types, which is why Star Wars is so successful because those characters are so relatable and they're drawn with such a broad stroke. And then, so is Indiana Jones. But when Lucas starts doing other things, it's, you know, when he actually has to write with some nuance, it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I can't do that. But then with Empire, you have three other people who are saying, just because you can't doesn't mean I can't. And doesn't mean I'm not willing to do what you can't do to complement your failings or lackings or weaknesses. So I wonder if even like the greatest filmmakers, if they'd have had more collaboration, because I look at, okay, like Wells. Okay. So in Citizen Kane, Pauline Kael wrote that whole thing about how it was Mankiewicz's or whatever. And I don't think that's true, but I think it's Wells's best screenplay. I think the help probably didn't hurt. Yeah. Wells had Mankiewicz in one corner. He had Greg Toland in the other. Oh. Yeah, obviously. I forgot that Hiking Cats also helped with some of the funnier bits in Star Wars. They helped do a little bit of a dialogue polish. I know that there are some real clunky lines still. That whole period when you had your Scorsese's, the Palmas, John Milius, Francis Ford Coppola. Bogdanovich. Yeah, all these folks hanging out together, going to the same parties, just talking movies and throwing around ideas and stuff, helping each other out. Having those early screenings of Star Wars where it's just like, yeah, this doesn't work at all. We need to recut this whole thing. We need to do some reshoots, all of that. That's why certain I'd love to succeed. have been in the corner and hear these conversations between all the, all the movie brats, like Coppola and all these people. Just the shit they're just talking about in conversation. Because that book, what was the book about? Was it Easy Riders Raising Bulls? That's such a good book. And, you, and it talks about the parties and the things. And you think, what would that have really been like to have just been there a fly on the wall? Or like the Godfather book, the Godfather, the make you an offer that that same thing. It's that same thing. It's just holy shit. These people are shaping this in a way that they can't. None of us could have comprehended it, but definitely not them. If you told Lucas and Spielberg in 2022, you will be seeing a new Indiana Jones film coming out that neither one of you are even involved with. 
owned by the Disney Corporation. Is Spielberg not even producing that one now? I think he's producing, but I don't, I'm not sure. But I get the feeling nobody's... a lot of the things he produces now, he's not even. Because you look at it, some years he's got a bazillion production credits. Yeah, but I don't think he's behind the camera. A lot different from when he was producing things like Poltergeist and Gremlins and just all these things that have such a Spielbergoonies. They have such a Spielberg stamp on them. But then you look at something like movie I just watched, speaking of Lucas, Howard the Duck, which I think is like random, not randomly, but like people believe he directed it. That's because he's involved with it. It's like, it must, whatever, George Lucas. But I, when I watched that movie, I saw like DNA of Star Wars in that, and he didn't write the script. No, that was hiking cats again. My stepson just asked me about that movie yesterday. It's fun. It's fun. I was like, I, I was there opening weekend, man. I saw. I didn't mind it. It was okay. It was very Star Wars. You had duck titties at the beginning. The first five minutes of the duck movie. woman. Yeah, yeah. But it's again like that movie. That movie exists because yes, nobody's and nobody's perfect. Even Huck and Cats. They wrote Temple of Doom, which is like the least funny of all three of <laughs> Jones movies. Too. I really want to talk with because Hike is still around, and we've talked before. I want to see like what happened with Howard the Duck because that comic book was insanely popular. People loved Howard the Duck, and he was just like subversive underground hero. Feels like type they cut thing. his balls off for that movie. They did. It's a kid's movie. Except it shouldn't be. No, it should like be Deadpool. a kid's He's movie. like proto-Deadpool in a yeah. lot of ways. If not for Deadpool, Howard the Duck may have had his own movie. But Deadpool is a little bit more of a digestible character. But that's, again, I think that goes back to like someone like Lucas. Is I feel like Lucas, for all of Lucas's faults, like the thing with the 14-year-old thing in this script, Lucas has always hewed at least more since Star Wars towards like family fair. And I don't know why, because like there's not been a need for it. And it's weird too, because he kept talking about, oh, I'm going to retire from Star Wars after this last one is done, and I'm going to make experimental movies. Like he loved the experimental things that helped shape THX 1138. He just kept going back to that and be like, oh, I want to make experimental films. And it's okay, because he did like short experimental works. And even the original THX 1138. For AB or whatever that was, an electronic labyrinth, it was very experimental and he loved that kind of cinema. And then it's, yeah, what did you do? I know that well, it's a like lot of stuff. He sold his did, soul for this success, you know, and then there's nothing left. And a lot of stuff he did actually helped other things. I want to say with Return of the Jedi, there were things that he helped out with when it came to like offline editing. He actually backed the company that would eventually morph into Pixar. So he had his hands in a lot of things, but he created ILM, but nothing like as far as creative in a different way, creative as in making new art. Like he was helping make the tools rather than making the art for the tools. But, and that's, I think the thing about Lucas is like, what has George Lucas done other than star Wars? I guess if you do star Wars, that's all you have to do, maybe. But still, but he was so young. It's like, That's why I've always said about John Williams. If you're a composer, like you would love to have one thing as memorable as Star Wars, the, the Star Wars opening credit. But then he did Superman and Harry Potter and Indiana Jones. And it's like, fuck, dude, like you've done. It's like that with George Lucas. He's done Star Wars. So does he have to do anything else? But then his buddy Spielberg not. just keeps on. 
Oh, but then you have someone like Spielberg who's like Williams and has done Jaws and Close Encounter. It's like, if you were the guy who directed Jaws, you would love to just be known as the guy who directed Jaws. I don't think Lucas ever wanted to be just the Star Wars guy. He said as much. I think it's just that is such a boulder that you just it's just it, what are you supposed to do? The thing with Williams is that as we're reading this, I'm hearing his score in my head. Like when they're going into the well of souls and especially when he is in the map room and the light comes through, you can just hear the music swelling in your head or when they're on the back of the truck. That was another thing that was missing is the whole like front of going under the truck. That was such a big deal. And I remember watching like a making of Raiders and they spent, I don't know, a quarter of the time talking about just that stunt and pulling himself up with this whip and everything but i can hear just that yeah it's just a fucking testament to what these movies have become for so many of us like raiders is for a lot of people myself included like it's again it's not my favorite indiana jones movie but it's a perfect movie like it's then there's nothing about it that i have a singular problem with and i'm not alone in that i think my only problem is when he says uh about the dates you eat them that's it god yeah man the thing and he takes the thing but the monkey has the thing and then the thing goes with the other thing with that first thing we spent half of our time last time talking about the fucking monkey (laughs) yeah oh yeah (laughs) the monkey with the hat yeah oh he's gotta have a hat (laughs) he's gotta have a hat should the monkey have a turban should the monkey have a turban that was funny god that was great oh my god what what a joy what a joy this was this was fun Thank you for inviting us to do this, oh, Mike. So have you already you edited part of this? or do you No, have not a, yet. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be so much. <laughs> it is. It is. Chris made the good point, I think, at the very first time we recorded, which was, oh, there's a new movie coming out next year. So I'm like, oh, good. I've got yeah. some time. Uh, like you've got, you've, I actually think the movie's coming out this year. Oh, no. Wait, is it? Oh, Alexa, when does Indiana Jones 5 come out? The film Indiana Jones on Friday, June 30th, 2023. Oh, never mind. You got got a little less than a year. Yeah. All right. That's how the computer revolution will begin. (laughs) I know. Is you telling Alexa to fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. I do that all the time. (laughs) My wife says, she's just remember when they rise up, you were mean. Yeah. My wife says, thank you. After Alexa gives (laughs) her information. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) What's funny on the phone. If you say fuck you, it's like I am just a phone, but words hurt or some shit. Oh like my that. god, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, the Google Home says the same thing. The Google you one. Tell- yeah, yeah. Wow. The Google Home says, "Please don't say that to me." <laughs> like, ah. oh. <laughs> it's sticking up for itself now. Wow. <laughs> That's good. Don't spider. Make me fuck you, you up. You you tell them, Spider. You tell them. <laughs> <laughs>